Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session podcast, sponsored as always by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization. He can help you plan for your family's future. Also, of course, sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 159, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. As we always do, a lot, it, it, Cowboys bye week, but there is a lot of NFL action. We will get into that. We've got a little trip around the block with some interesting stories to chat about. The Mavs, and I mean, my God, people freaking out about the Mavs season opener, which was comical and amusing. But we definitely want to tell you about our sponsors. Hector Flores, man, he is making it happen. You can give him a call, 940-453-3490. Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America. They're a fraternal financial organization. It's non-fee-based, so it costs nothing to meet with him so that he can kind of go through what you're looking at once you start realizing, I need to start saving, I need to understand how to utilize my 401k better and stocks and bonds, and he can handle all that type of thing for you. Well, the first thing is, man, everybody needs to do that. And so it's just a matter of which journey that you're on. And that's the thing that Hector can do for you. He can show you whether you need to be on a conservative route, an aggressive route. And how about this? You tell him, this is what I want to do. This is where I'd like to be. This is how many years I have to get there. And he can create a plan for you that helps you get there. Because the financial future, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s like me, it doesn't matter. At some point, you got to deal with it. So the sooner, the better. And that's where Hector comes in. Hector Flores, 940-453-3490 with Modern Woodmen of America. Give him a call. Let him help protect your family and your future. Hector Flores, 940-453-3490. Also, of course, Greening Law. You guys know it well. If you've been hurt in a car accident, as I've been telling you for the last three months, I was hurt in a car accident. My first call that next Monday was to the office of Robert Greening in Dallas, Texas. His green team will fight that legal battle for you so that you can truly focus on getting back to what you need to, the way that you felt before your accident happened, that healing and renewal. That's where this comes in. Dude, the best thing about it is, man, it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone and tell me your situation. 
If you're involved in an incident, you pick up the phone, you give them a call, you say, hey, here's my situation. Green team says, hey, we really think it's a good fit and we can help you. Or no, it's probably not a good fit. Good luck in your future endeavors. But here's the deal, man. If they take you on as a client, they will grind for you. And then they'll grind some more. You know why? Because they don't get paid unless you get paid. That is exactly right, man. And as Jacques just told you, Calls free. The consultation is absolutely free. Give them a call. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice, if you've been hurt on the premises of a business, I mean, these are things you need to make sure you've got the green team in mind. The number 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900, Robert Greening, Office, Dallas, Texas. So the Cowboys, as we know, are on their buy. Ooh, they're they're partying today, <laughs> bro. It's been quiet all afternoon. Yes, and then right when you sit down to to roll through, everybody's like, "Oh, what's happening? Is Jacques at a party?" <laughs> it's kind of fun, but you know the Cowboys being on a bye this week, and they've got one of the early season buys. There's a bunch of teams on 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 buys this week, but you look around what we know so far. Philadelphia is about to lose to. Uh, to Vegas and we saw Washington lose earlier in the day the Giants somehow I mean my god who knew the Giants had a 25-3 win in them but point being the way that this works out the Cowboys are going to be five and one coming off the bye every other team in the NFC East is two and five that should make you feel good about that but the division after you know once we figured out who the Cowboys were and who the everybody else in the NFC East has been the division is not really what we're talking about this year for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, to me, just me now, I think, they're in a quest to get home field advantage in the NFC or at least one home game in the NFC. And to me, that's the quest I think is going to take the way this thing is shaping up, man. It could take you uh, 14 wins to get that. And so every win, every game remains critical because that's the goal. Yeah, and and so right now that's where they're at walking through this, and we're going to get into some stuff that's happening around the NFL and all that here at at some point. But I was kind of curious because there's trades out there to be made, perhaps, maybe involving the Cowboys, maybe not, but reality of it is is that the NFL trade deadline is coming up on November 2nd, which is a week from Tuesday. We've seen them make moves in the past. I mean, we just talked about one last week, that move that they made and traded a first-round draft pick and brought in Amari Cooper three years ago that that changed everything. I think it's interesting, and now I don't necessarily believe that Todd thinks this would happen, but the ESPN writers, and, and this is one of those bits, I mean, you know how this works. We're like, hey, we're doing a piece on this, and we need you to pick a cowboy that gets traded. Todd Archer's cowboy that he selected in this article that they went through with a potential trade target on every team in the NFL was Michael Gallup. When his point here on this is, would the Cowboys be able to swing a deal for an immediate need like cornerback or defensive tackle or maybe even a draft pick? Gallup obviously is a big play fit and fits great with Dak, but Cedric Wilson has filled in nicely as the number three receiver. Of course, Wilson is also set to be a free agent, much like Gallup is. Given the talent in the group, the Cowboys might be able to get something in return, but they wouldn't want to walk away from Gallup. So I thought that was interesting. And, and, and we've talked about this with the Cooper-Gallup decision that's going to come at the end of the year. I, I, I still seem to, unless you're getting somebody like a Joe Hayden or somebody like that where you get something that helps improve in an area where you could really need it, 
I don't know why you would want to walk away or move Michael Gallup unless there's something like that out there to be had. Dude, I think the thing about it is, man, and I've I, I mentioned this to a couple of people on Twitter, like it's okay to have good players. Yeah. Okay? And here's the other thing. Cedric Wilson's been terrific. Noah Brown has made some plays. Neither one of them is better than Michael Gallup. So why would you want to get rid of a good player for a draft pick or something else? Um, unless it was, you know, at a position like, you know, corner, maybe a Joe Hayden that, 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 that we're talking about. Um, other than that, hey, dog, how about this? What if uh, Cooper gets hurt? Mm-hmm. I mean, it ain't like he ain't been hurt this year. Yeah. What if something happens to CD? Would you rather have Gallup out there as your one or your two, um, you know, or your three? So, you know, to me, too many fans are short-sighted in terms of looking toward the future. How about y'all just play this season? <laughs> you know what? And as I told one dude, well, we don't need Gallup. Uh, you know, Wilson and Brown can feel for him. I said, dude, stop it. Gallup's a better player. And here's what you're looking for. Can Gallup help you win a game by making a play? Absolutely. I don't know that the other guys can. Perhaps, you know, he's a better yeah. player. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's that time of year. I, I, I just, I don't know that I see, and, and like I said, I mean, you know, when C.J. Henderson was available or, or if these rumors about Joe Hayden and he's legitimately available, I could see trying to inquire about what it would take because like you, my thing is I don't know that I would want to give up a gallop for that. I would rather find a different way to, to make a deal like that done. Like I, I saw somebody who threw out a rumor that, you know, trade Lyle Collins because Terrence Steele has been so good. And I thought, why would you do that? I mean, you've got depth on this team right now that they, yes, and they are about to, and it's almost like they're getting trades because they're about to get, you know, Tank at some point's coming back. They're about to get Neville Gallimore back. They're about to get Lyle Collins and Gallup back. And that's only going to improve this team. Again, man, too many, uh, you know, you know, it's too much time is focused on the future. And, you know, we need to get a draft pick for this guy. We need to do this because he's going to walk in free. What The game to me, man, has changed. It's all about win now because your team is going to turn over 30, 35, 40% in the offseason anyway. You don't have to be in any hurry to do it. The more good players you have in this game of attrition, the better and um, unless you're making a significant move to get better, like when they acquired Amari Cooper, yeah, you know, wasn't, what's the point? Besides, bro, depending on the position that you're acquiring, this is football, man. It's the biggest team sport out there. It's the one that takes the most amount of integration when you get a player. Um, so most of the time, it's not like you get a guy and he becomes an instant impact player. Yeah, and, and – that's my thing. I don't know who it is, who's available, but but there's going to be moves made at the trade deadline. We all know that. I don't know that the Cowboys necessarily are going to be making those moves. This is a team that I think is all in right now, and if I if there was somebody out there that they thought they could bring in that made sense, then maybe they go that route. Obviously, the biggest name at the trade deadline that everybody looks at is going to be Deshaun Watson. Like It's getting to a point now where I'd actually be shocked if he's not traded sometime in the next week or so. And John McClain, who writes for the Houston Chronicle and covers the Houston Texans, has been all over this and said last week that talks were really starting to heat up between Miami and Houston, but that the Texans are asking for three first-round picks and two second-round picks, and that it is a deal-breaker if a team tries to go with something that does not include three first-round draft picks. Well, damn, dog. I mean, that, that is I mean, a – but you're getting Deshaun Watson, who's still, I mean, really hadn't even started to enter his prime yet, really. 
But you're getting Deshaun Watson, who's facing all these criminal right. charges, and you have no idea what his punishment from the league will be, what his punishment from the uh, government will be if he's proved guilty of any of these allegations. And so if, for you to trade that man with no guarantee about nothing, that's just an incredible, um, you know, Powerball kind of deal, man, because you, you literally have no idea when he'll be available, for how long he'll be available, or anything. And it doesn't matter what his people think, because we all know the criminal justice system works on its own, and so does Roger Goodell, the commissioner. Yeah, and the idea is that if he is traded, that they're not going to all of a sudden put him on the exempt list, which would make him where he could actually walk in and play for his new team immediately. I mean, the Houston's just choosing not to play. Like, they're just at a stalwart where they're not – he doesn't want to be there, and Houston isn't going to use him. They've already moved on. He just happens to be sitting there getting paid, which is really bizarre to me. I was going to say, is that not like an incredible story, bro? Like, it's, the, it's the weirdest thing of all time that they've got to do that they are paying that much money who has he isn't even active on game days, and there's nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with him. There's been no penalty yet. I mean, it's just kind of a whole bizarre situation with Deshaun Watson. And, um, you know, I don't even know how much he'll help anybody at this point because he literally hasn't done anything with practice or live game action. Yeah, and that's the thing. Plus, if you go to Miami, I mean, Miami's not good. Miami is not a good team this year, which is really strange. I thought that they would, you know, I didn't think they'd be like on the Buffalo level, but I thought they'd be solid. I mean, this is a solid Miami team. I think they won 10 games last year, you know, and they have just fallen off of a cliff. I mean, they are one in six, man. They are not good. This is the NFL that happens sometimes, man. You get that harder schedule. They had some bad luck with Tua yeah. getting hurt and not really being able to to get him ready and play him all season because he didn't play that badly today. I think he had, like, you know, almost 300 yards passing, four TDs, two picks. Um, but it didn't, you know, they didn't get it done against the Falcons. I think that dropped them to one and six and pretty much ends their playoff season. And so now it's all about whether Flores and, and their GM, uh, you know, will escape uh, the action. Yeah. Um, what is it, Black Monday, the Monday after the season ends? Yeah, see, and then that's interesting to me because if that becomes the case and you've traded for Deshaun Watson, I guess it doesn't matter because you've got Watson sitting there, but he's the guy that you brought in with a different regime. they got to figure out what to do with Tua. They've actually drafted well in recent years, and you know they, they were one of those teams that had some extra first-round picks and whatnot for a while and were able to do some things with those. Obviously with Tua and, and, and Jalen Waddell now at – at wide receiver they've got some weapons offensively but there's obviously a lot of holes on that team that they're going to need to fix and you wonder like my thought would be okay Deshaun Watson can be really good but if you're a one in six Miami team if you end up being you know if you go three and 14 this year or something like that are you not going to wish that you had those three first round picks to put stuff around them dude I mean but you know I mean I think that's the thing that you have to you have to figure out if you're Miami. Like, are we better with Tua and the three first-round picks and second-round picks over the next couple of years or the next few years? Or are we better off with Deshaun Watson without that surplus of talent coming in? Because it's hard to build a consistent winner if you ain't got the first-round pick coming in on a regular basis. Although the Rams are trying to, you know, prove that that's not a big deal. Yeah, they are. They are trying to prove that. They're doing a pretty damn good job of it so far this year. But, it, I mean, for them, they had everything that they traded. They had all these, like, like superstar-level guys. They just needed the right leader in there, and it appears that Matt Stafford may be that guy. But it, it it's going to be fun, man. I, I'm excited for the Cowboys. It's, it's such a different – like, this is a weird weekend for me because 
Auburn was on a bye. Texas was on a bye. There were, I'm trying to, I think five SEC teams in total were on a bye. And then the Cowboys were on a bye. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of games that I'm used to having to watch and, and really pay hardcore attention to that we just didn't get. It, it, it's really strange that that all kind of coincided on the same weekend with the Cowboys being off. But it, it is interesting when you when you stop down at the bye and you look at this team and you look about where they're at and how good they've been. And now it's about taking care of business. And we'll probably learn a little bit more about the calf thing with Dak. Hopefully, the week off, it is not what it was. It is not something that's going to flare up on him or bother him again. But we won't even know anything probably till Tuesday exactly what the deal is with that calf if he's able to practice. I, I mean, we don't even know anything about it at this point. Now, I'd say I'd, I'd take it one more day, bro, and say Wednesday. That's usually uh, their first day where you got access to practice and see how it goes. And they'll be out there really actively prepping for the game uh, against Minnesota. So that's going to be interesting. But they were even more optimistic on Friday, Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones on their respective uh, radio shows on the flagship about uh, thinking Dak was going to play this week. Yeah. And so now the question to me is never, you know, really like, is Dak going to play? It's, you know, will he have to manage the injury? Will it be regular Dak? Uh, will it be, you know, sit in the pocket, escape the pocket? I'm just not going to run read options and, and scramble for yard Dak. You know, which Dak is showing up? We know he's playing. It's just which Dak is showing up. Yeah, and so as you mentioned, they do have it coming up. They are on the road in Minnesota one week from right now as we record this on Sunday the 24th. Of course, next Sunday is Halloween, so everybody will be having a lovely Halloween watching the Cowboys, and hopefully it's Sunday night football too, so you and I will be up late on Sunday night. It is that late Sunday 720 kick on Sunday night football for the Cowboys on the road at the Vikings. And then they come home for two. They've got the Broncos at home. This is what's really interesting is both their next games after the Sunday night are, are noon kicks. Broncos wow. at home on the 7th. And then Falcons at home on the 14th. And both those games are, are noon. Dude, that seems strange. They, they don't get very many noon kicks, especially as good as they are this year. So, um, you know, but I think next year, next week, Sunday night, that's another opportunity for the uh, entire nation to get a chance to see their collection of stars play. And if they play another good game, man, this is how you end up with having all those accolades at the end of the year, whether it's Pro Bowl, All-Pro or, you know, MVP. Yeah, that's right, man. And it, it's, it's kind of wild, too, because of what we were mentioning earlier with the rest of the division. If they come out and win next week, then, I mean, you could be 6-1 and one while everybody else is sitting at 2-6, and six, two and five, whatever the case may be after next week. So that'll be cool. Uh, we'll see how it goes. By the way, the Vikings were also on the bye this week as well. They're coming off yeah. the bye. And that was a team that started one and three, but they've won their last two games. They beat the Lions. They beat the Panthers uh, last weekend. Yeah, I think it's a tough game. Man. I've been saying it for a few weeks now. And that's because the Cowboys defense still gives up a lot of big plays. And who are we talking about with the Falcons? Dalvin Cook, who played uh, before the bye week, you know, he's a big play running back. You got um, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson yep. and, and Thielen over there. They can create big plays. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is a solid quarterback. Um, he can throw you for 400 on a given night, or he can throw you for 203 interceptions on a given night. It's which Kirk Cousins shows up. And so I think it's going to be a great game. And I think the Vikings have the offensive power, firepower to hang with Dallas, especially if uh, Dallas is going to be, you know, in the, in the mindset of committing mistakes that uh, keep lesser teams around. Yeah, it, it's – it's going to be a fun one next Sunday, that's for sure. Ready to get back at it, especially with this team and how exciting it the first chunk of the season has been. 
But as we continue, of course, Blue Star Motor Group, my friends, have you guys, have you looked on the website yet? Have you gone there and teased yourself a little bit? You're like, oh my God, I need this. Oh my God, what a deal. Have you found it? Because it's there for you at bluestarmotorgroup.com. They specialize in superior quality Carfax certified pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. And it's very simple. You get on the website, you see something you like, and you immediately pick up the phone and you can shoot her a text if you want. You can call or text Deb 817-881-4066. And you're like, hey, Deb, heard about you guys in the Jam Session podcast. I see this, whichever one it is that jumps out to you. Is it still available? How do we work this thing out? It's that simple. Dude, it's that simple. It's something that you need to do because Deb and Mike, man, the thing that makes them special, they are all about the win-win. That's what it is. They want to win. They want you to win. They want everybody to feel good at the end of a deal. And uh, that's why I highly recommend them, man. You can't go wrong. It doesn't matter whether you're buying a car, selling a car. They're going to give you the best price possible. Right now on their website, if you're into trucks, they've got a 2020 Toyota Tundra Platinum Crew Max. This thing right now, I mean, this thing is, I guess I would call that like a silver with black rims. This thing is badass looking. It's still under factory warranty. It's got, I was trying to see how many miles it has on it. It's about 40,000 miles on it. And they've got it for just over $50,000, which is crazy good deal for, I mean, this thing is basically brand new. Dude, I've told y'all all the time, the best thing to do is let somebody else take that big hit because car depreciates so much as soon as you um, drive it off the lot and then you go scoop it up. I've done it several times in my lifetime and gotten a great car at a great price. They excel at that at Blue Star Motor Group. Yeah, give them a call, man. Shoot Deb a text right now. Again, it's Deb, 817-881-4066. Do it now because I'm telling you, if you go to bluestarmotorgroup.com right now, they still have it, that 2012 Chevrolet Corvette that they've got for under 44000 It barely has 15,000 miles on it, and that thing looks badass, and it's available right now. So you might want to reach out and get in touch with her. 817 817- 881-4066, bluestarmotorgroup.com. And also, of course, once you get your new ride, you're going to have to, at some point, you're going to need an oil change. You're going to need to go get a state inspection. That's why you take it over to Freeway Tire Shop, just north of downtown Dallas. And I always let Jacques tell you a lot about these guys because literally JR and his guys have worked on every single car, all like 84 cars that Jacques owns. <laughs> they've handled the Taylor fleet, man. I mean, it's impressive. The, they've handled the fleet because of one thing, man. You can trust JR, man. That's what I love about the dude. You can trust him to diagnose the issue. You can trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue. You can trust him to charge you a fair price to fix the issue. And then check this out, though. You can trust him to guarantee his work. Seriously. To me, all of that makes him a great, a great place to go if you got any kind of car issue. If you need a state inspection, if you need just an oil change, he's the guy, the only guy I take my car to uh, because I trust him implicitly, man. And for those of us who don't work on cars, what else is there but trust? That's true because you're, you're literally trusting that dude that knows all about it, that he is telling you straight up what's going on. That's why you go to Freeway Tire Shop because JR will look at you, tell you exactly what you can expect and how he's going to get it done. It's fantastic customer service, very competitive pricing, and they handle it all. Get online. You can request a quote. You can schedule an appointment at freewaytireshop.com to get it done. But let's take a trip around the block here because 
I found this story. I think everybody, for the most part, has seen this by now. But when it came out late last week, it's just one of those things where you're like, how in the world does this happen? And that was the story where Alec Baldwin on a movie that he was filming called Rust shot and killed the cinematographer because the prop gun that he was using was apparently loaded with an actual bullet instead of a blank like it was supposed to be. And she died. And she was in her early 40s. She was married, had kids. And I mean, obviously, Alec Baldwin's been on social media talking about how horrible he feels and all this. But I mean, I just remember like how in the world on a movie set and this has happened before. I mean, famously, Bruce Lee's son. Yeah. Brandon Lee famously in the mid 90s movie, The Crow. And a lot of people believe the conspiracy on that, that that was actually a like a mob hit for the Japanese mafia and that they they wanted to kill Brandon Lee. And so who knows with that, but that was the same type of situation where they were filming the scene and a piece of a bullet had still been in the gun. And when they fired the blank, the piece of the, the bullet went into his abdomen and killed Brandon Lee. Dude, I, I now see based upon that, I read something else about some other movie or show. It's it's basically put out a uh, memo that said no more live ammunition will be used on our set anymore. And I'm like, it took this for y'all to figure out that we shouldn't be using anything remotely close to live ammo because accidents can happen. And what does my dad always say, man? Yeah, it's the odds are one in a billion, which is cool unless you're the one. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it, well, see, and that's the thing is that the problem here is that they don't use live ammunition. They use what blanks, your first big you know, right. And, and so part of the problem with all of that is. And this was something I read an article about this where they were talking about the amount of safety protocols that are in place that you have to go through for something like this to even be able to happen means it was some guy and there's like some organization that handles like movie props and stuff like that. And the guy was saying, like, I mean, for this to be able to happen means somebody along the way did not do their job and were lax on what you're supposed to do because this should never happen like there should never ever be a problem because it's supposed to be checked and rechecked and then checked and then the actor has to kind of open it up and check and you're supposed to watch them do that and obviously somewhere along the way that was not happening on this movie set well you know uh, you're always your your mind always tells you this is the problem which is you've done it so many times that so many people have done it so many times that nobody did it the way it was supposed to be done um, and I always go back to this, man, um, at a much, 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 much lower level. But, you know, when you start working at McDonald's, which a lot of folks do, they teach you that there's six ways. It's a six-step process when you put the food in the bag yeah. before you hand it to the customer. And the last thing is you double-fold the bag before you present the customer the bag with the arches facing the bag, facing the customer. Well, I can tell you, since I worked at McDonald's for a couple of years off and on, that I did it textbook the way you're supposed to do it for about a month. And then it got to be five steps after about three months and then four steps. And by the time I was gone, you might get two steps just because I'd done it so many times. I got comfortable. I just got lax. And if nobody corrected me, I didn't correct myself. Yeah. And and. You know, that's a big part of the entire problem with with what happened here. And I mean, this is just absolutely horrible. I mean, as you might imagine, and I know a lot of people don't like Alec Baldwin and whatever, but 
you know, this is a guy now who has been in, in, I mean, who knows, a hundred different movies. I mean, he's in, it seems like a movie, like two or three movies a year that, that seem to come out in his career, you know, and he's done all this different TV stuff and things like that. And apparently, you know, the, the people close to him are saying that he is just absolutely devastated and he's canceled other projects and doesn't know when he'll be able to return to, to movies and stuff like that. You know, and I, I just, I couldn't even imagine this as something that you do all the time. And so apparently, so court records indicate that the assistant director grabbed the prop gun off a cart, handed it to Baldwin, indicating incorrectly that the weapon didn't carry live rounds by yelling cold gun. So when Baldwin pulled the trigger, he unwittingly, of course, did not have any idea who uh, killed the cinematographer and wounded the director who was standing beside her. Dude, what I mean, what a terrible tragedy, yeah. man. And this was a rehearsal. I mean, they were rehearsing for what they were going to go through in the scene. And, you know, it's one of the three guns that a firearm specialist, or they're known on the movie set as an armorer, had set on a cart where the scene was being rehearsed. I mean, I, I mean, how in the world that happens, it, it's just sad. And then, no, like, I, I read the story, and I didn't know, like, I, I think everybody was familiar with the Brandon Lee thing. Like, that was the first thing that most people thought of. I had right. never heard of this. The actor Vic Morrow, who was in From Twilight Rats. Zone, the movie, yeah, back in the early 80s, he killed himself with a gun that he thought it was a prop gun on the set that they were doing, and he held up the prop gun to his, he was like, you know, just playing around with it and held it up to his, his head and pulled the trigger, and it actually was loaded and killed him. Wow. Or no, that wasn't that wasn't Vic Morrow. That was John Eric Hexum. John Eric That's, Hexum. Yeah. I was gonna say I remember that I was you know what, dude? While you were saying Vic Morrow, I was looking up John Eric. Yeah. Because I remember that's that's how he died. Yeah, and then so Vic Morrow was a guy who was also killed on a movie set when they were filming an escape from a Vietnamese village during the Vietnam War when a helicopter crashed and landed on him. Yeah. That's uh there's some tragedies out there, man. They don't happen often, but they just slow you down like a serious gut punch when they do. Yeah, man, because you just hear about that, and you're like, man, we just nobody thinks about that. I mean, nobody thinks about all the stuff that people do. I mean, I think we're all aware that you know guys like Tom Cruise do their own stunts and get strapped to the side of a plane and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely can wild, man. Can I tell you the weirder part of that for me, man? And I, I can't remember why I was thinking about this. Um, a few days ago. Oh, you know what? I, I remember why. It's a, a young man got killed at a party. And for some reason, all I could think of was, you know, when he left his house, however he left his house, he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'll leave these dishes in the sink. I'll be back in a couple of hours and clean them up. You know what I mean? Or whatever, however you left your house or your life, it was always with the ex- expectation that, oh, I'll return and straighten it up or do this or do that. And you just never get a chance to do that. And it seemed kind of weird, but that's just how fleeting life is. And so I was thinking about her this weekend because she had got some award as uh, one of the up and coming directors of cinematography. And I was like, you know, she went to work this morning and was like, oh, okay, yeah, I got to do this when I get home and I got to do this when I get home. And she just never got home. Yeah, man, it's wild. It's it's just a really wild story with, you know, the way that movies are filmed and how this could happen. And, and of course, now all the debate about using real weapons at all in movie sets and things like that. So we'll see, you know, something like this that might actually change 
how they make movies completely at the core of what it is. Elsewhere, and this is interesting to me, totally different. So those of you that follow soccer may be aware that the World Cup in 2026 is going to be in North America. Well, the city of Dallas is making a very serious push to be, as we were, if you'll remember back in 1994 when the World Cup was in America the last time, Dallas hosted some of the, the games for the World Cup. I went to a couple of them. In the, in the Cotton Bowl, actually. And this is yeah. obviously way before Jerry World was ever built or that complex that they have over there now with all the hotels and everything. But they are making a serious push, and FIFA officials were in the Dallas area over the weekend to hear the pitch and see because Dallas not only wants to host games this time around, which it's believed that they'll do that at the least, they are making a push to host the semifinal or final. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big deal right there. Yes, they want – and you know what? To be honest with you, man, I mean, right there smack dab in the middle of America, it's easy to get in and out of, and I don't know that you have a better option in this country – for a World Cup final than you would at AT&T Stadium. No, I don't. Uh, I mean, if you look at just all the soccer venues in the U.S. that were built for it, I don't I don't know that you have one that's big enough to hold that type of crowd that can deliver it the way uh, AT&T Stadium would. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jerry's going to be in the mix, man. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and, and this would just be, I mean, it, it would be a colossal, absolute colossal win for the DFW area if they were to select Dallas, not just as a host site, but to say, yeah, the final is going to be played there. I mean, that would be insane. Bro, I would be trying my best to get there. I mean, I would, I would, yeah, I would be there. I, I would probably put that on my bucket list of things too. So, yeah, I would be there. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, there'll be some other – the Rose Bowl is always up there at the top of, I think it was, when the final in the Rose Bowl in 94? I, I don't know. You know, you, you've got, I'm trying to remember like some of the other ones that are out there, like the, the new MetLife Stadium up in the New York area, of course. You know, Atlanta's got the brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium that can seat a lot as well. So th- there are some other options that are out there, but it'll be interesting. That's for sure. And that would be really, really cool if it comes down to it. I mean, you know, the... I never- I never bet against Jerry in these types no, of things. No, that, that's because what I was a marketing thinking. genius. And the reason he's a marketing genius is, one, he'll tell them, the people, here's how much money you can make. Here's how you can make it. Right. And it seems to me that whenever Jerry does that, the numbers always dwarf what everybody else can get. Yeah, and so they there will be 16 uh, cities that will be chosen. And so, yes, I was just looking at it. It was the Rose Bowl in Pasadena that hosted the World Cup final the last time it was here back in 1994. But there are 16 North American host cities for the 2026 World Cup. Now, keyword there, North American, not just America. So Canada and Mexico are a part of this thing as well. Of the 16 potential host cities, they've already delegated three to Mexico, Guadalajara, Monterey, and Mexico City. Canada was also supposed to have three, which would leave 10 potentially in America. But Canada had Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal, and then Montreal dropped out. So they don't know. That may mean that they're going to give 11 host sites to American cities. And as you might imagine, there are many more than 11 cities that are bidding to try to become one of the host sites. I mean, just to have it at all, just to have round play at all. Oh, no, dude, it's a big deal. Everybody wants a piece of that just because of the money it's going to bring into your your city. 
through visitation and hotels and restaurants and everything. That's a that's a game changer, man. You get one of those uh, World Cup uh, games in your city. Yeah, I mean, Dow- Dallas is going to get World Cup games. The question is, is really, I mean, could they get the final of the World yeah. Cup? Can you get the big one? Yeah, because they've had, I mean, look, we know that. The, the Green Bay-Pittsburgh Super Bowl. We we've, we had the Super Bowl here. The Final Four has been at AT&T Stadium. They had the CONCACAF Gold Cup. They've hosted uh, some of those matches at AT&T Stadium. We've seen all sorts of different big-time, huge college games. I mean, the college semifinal is has been in Dallas. The college final has been in Dallas. I mean, we've seen a variety of these, but this would be the top I mean, more people watch the World Cup than watch the Super Bowl. This this would be the, the cherry that I, I don't know that you could top the World Cup final. Well, I think some people don't really think of it like that. But, yeah, Matt's exactly right, that the World Cup final is the biggest thing in the world, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's what most of the world's watching when it goes down. And so it would uh, it'd be quite a coup, quite a coup if Dallas can get it. Dude, it'd be awesome. I mean, it would be really – it would be really, really cool, really, really cool, and, and I don't know why. Like I'm, I'm, I've tried to get into soccer before, and, and I've talked about it before, like playing a little FIFA and whatnot. But I've never really been. I, I'm not somebody who can watch the EPL. I tried. I mean, I hardcore tried once, and I just could not find a way to attach myself. But I, I can get into the World Cup because I can watch America and, and be all about mm-hmm. some of that. Well, you know, I've, uh, I like the Premier League. I watch it when I can. Um, I, have a good, I have a good time watching it. Uh, I love watching the World Cup. And, uh, you know, I think for most Americans, if you don't really understand soccer, obviously one nothing can be very boring. But if you really understand it, now here's the key. And you got two teams trying to score, which hasn't always been the case in the soccer game. It can be one nothing. It'd be a great game because the teams are going up and f- back and forth attacking. But I get it if you go, man, this is like watching paint dry. Ain't enough goals, ain't enough action. And I say, yeah. why the hell you think they go crazy when they score? Yeah, that man. It's hard, bro. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. It'd but be I'm a soccer fan. I it'd played be soccer probably from uh, the third grade up until about the 11th grade. Yeah. Out, outside for a couple years. And so I'm a big soccer guy. Yeah, and, and so there you go. I mean, be excited about that because they there may be five years from now, it may be very possible. And they'll, they'll announce this in 2022. I always thought it would be cool to bring an Olympics to Dallas. And I know that they've, they looked at it, it seems like, at some point years ago because I remember living out in Rockwall that they were talking about they would use Lake Ray Hubbard for a lot of the like sailing events and, and the rowing and stuff like that because they have a lot of regattas on, on Lake Ray Hubbard. But that it, and everybody knows this. I mean, the Olympic City, all the venues for the most part are not unless you're like in Russia where they just built it on top of a hill and they built it that way and then they just destroy it as soon as the Olympics are over. When it's held in America, a lot of the times it's like even when it was in Atlanta, not everything was right there smack dab in downtown Atlanta. Ah, brother, when I went to uh, when I covered the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, you know, and we were uh, I was covering the. Um, you got a lot of stuff in Vancouver, but when I was covering the ski jumping and stuff, dude, that stuff was in Whistler Mountain. That was a three-hour drive away. Damn. And so you had to – and here's what happened is, man, you know, you got you got to see what time the event is. And then this is literally how it worked out, Matt. Um, it, was a, it was a bus that you could catch outside the hotel 
that dropped you off a mile from the Olympic venue. I mean, is you know, the center where you go see where everything is. Yeah. So you walk a mile to the center, ride, catch, figure out where the bus is, catch the bus three hours there, uh, go walk a mile when they drop you off to wherever the actual venue is, go watch the thing all day long, write your story, catch that three-hour bus ride back, walk another mile from the center to where you catch the bus, then the bus would drop you off on the way back a mile from the hotel and then walk a mile <laughs> from where the bus dropped you off right. to the hotel, That's which insane. is why your boy lost about 12 pounds covering the Olympics for 21 days. That's so wild, man. And and Dude. I, I don't know. I don't know that Dallas, because nowadays it, it seems like the Olympics, like hosting them is not what it once was because you have to build so much and the infrastructure, it, it can just not even be worth it. It's not going to be in America again. Los Angeles has it again coming up in 2028. And then after that, who knows? Because the last time it was even any of the Olympics, even the Winter Olympics was hosted in America was the Salt Lake City Games back in, what was that, 02? Yeah, 02. Yeah, that's a long time, bro. So. Yeah, it is. That is a long time. So, you know, that's what's wild about the the way that they skipped in 2020 and had them in 2021. We got Winter Olympics coming up in three months or four months. The, the Winter Olympics start February 4th next year in Beijing. Are you serious? Yeah. That seems insane. It is insane. But it's because the Olympics that we just had were supposed to have been in 2020, and they weren't. Wow. So, <laughs> you know, you, it, because nowadays, ever since, what was that, 94 was the last time that they were both held in the same, or 92 was, and then 94 they started because of the Lillard Hammer Games in Norway when they started to do it. Because remember, it used to be winter and summer was in the same year. And now they're every two years where you get Winter Olympics in 2022 and then we'll get summer olympics again in 2024 in paris is the next summer game site in france Jeez. so there you go a little olympic talk randomly out of the blue who knew that was going to happen yeah you know <laughs> it's the most exciting thing of all time maybe or maybe i love the olympics and i love the winter olympics because you never see that shit it's like the weirdest stuff ever like curling who the hell knew that curling could be so mesmerizing until you watch the winter olympics <laughs> nobody and then you can't get enough of you. Like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want to be a curler. And you convince yourself that you could be. No. Seems, no. It seems totally doable. I've convinced myself I could be a curler. I ain't surprised about that. I believe that. Yeah. Well, we got some more stuff to get into, some stuff around the NFL to take a look at. And we'll do that. But we also want to tell you guys about our, our sponsor, Beer Geek Shop. You guys know him. Beer Geek Shop right there in downtown Rockwall, right off the square. Everything in the store available in singles. Everything. No matter what you want to get at Beer Geek Shop, you can buy just one of it if you want to. And this is your final week. This upcoming week, Halloween next Sunday, will be your final day that you will be able to buy the Jam Session six-pack at Beer Geeks. You have one more week to get out there and do it. The two pumpkin beers, the Hazy IPA, the Siren Rock Oktoberfest. It is a phenomenal six-pack that we put together. Six beers, all for $19.99 only available for you at Beer Geek Shop. What a fantastic deal. You couldn't possibly find a better craft beer, craft beer deal in DFW. Uh, go give Beer Geek some support, man. Uh, the beer is terrific. And the thing I like about it, I've told y'all this forever, man, is Deidre can figure out what beer you need to try if you're a veteran craft beer drinker based on what you tell her you like. And if you're a novice like I was, because I'm an expert now, um, you know, she can find something to fit your palate and make you go, wow, yep. I can't believe this. This is fantastic. 
It's local, it's family owned, they're great people, and it is damn good beer available for you. Go get it. Your last week for the Jam Session six-pack at Beer Geek Shop in downtown Rockwall. This NFL season is wonky, man. We all know that it is, but today is, and again, keep in mind, six teams were on the bye this week, obviously including the Cowboys and the Vikings. The Bills were on a bye this week as well. But you look across the landscape of what we saw today in the NFLs. We record this on Sunday. I thought Cincinnati was good. I didn't think Cincinnati was going to go into Baltimore and bend the Ravens over and beat their ass like a small child. Dude, okay, let's let's look at that very quickly. And I think the Ravens have had a couple of emotional highs the last couple of weeks, and so I see why they were a bit down. But this is why – or no, I don't want to say it like this. This is what the difference happens when you get a big-time, legit quarterback with the number one pick in the draft. Like, they're not always legit. Sometimes you take a guy because he was the guy available. But Joe Burrow, everybody knew he had talent. Everybody knew he had charisma. And you're like, if the Bengals will put some players around him, Joe Mixon and running back was already there. And then they took the Jamar Chase yep. to team him up uh, just like they did at LSU. And, yeah, Chase was uh, shady in the preseason. That dude been everything you hoped he would be during the regular season. And now the Bengals. Off and running on offense, brother, and it's an offensive league. They're 5-2 and two, Cincinnati is. Joe Burrow today, 23-38, 416 yards for three touchdowns. Jamar Chase, eight catches, 201 yards with the touchdown. And, and they look damn good now, man. And, and that, is, that is a fascinating division for me because of all the teams that are in it that have something you kind of wonder with this baker mayfield injury now they were able to i guess navigate it for this week with case keenum who did what we always talk about you just want your backup quarterback to do but you've got cincinnati and baltimore both sitting there at five and two cleveland is four and three and the steelers who are out of bye this week are three and three but that is going to be a really interesting division as the season continues because and how wild is this? You might look at that division in the AFC North now. Ben Roethlisberger might be the worst quarterback. Bruh. Ha! Um, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's what happens, man. Father Time remains undefeated. He does. He's definitely not better than Burrow these days. He's definitely not better than Lamar. And so now the question is whether you think, I mean, it's not even really a question, man. Most folks would take Baker over, over uh, Roethlisberger. Yeah. I, I, at this point, yes. That's what I mean. I totally agree, yes. Yeah, and, you know, it's not like his team is playing great. So, you know, father time, brother, (laughs) undefeated. So elsewhere in the NFL, and this is another one that I thought was really interesting, and it's going to continue to be interesting. There's two other ones that kind of jumped out to me, but the the biggest other one, Kansas City's got a problem. I mean, they've got a – and I don't know, this is mind-boggling to me. Their problem – is Pat Mahomes. Oh, well, check this out, bro. I think... Now, I haven't watched the game, obviously, the Chiefs game as closely as, as I watch another one. But here's the deal, bro. When your defense stinks, and outside of... Uh, I mean, obviously, got terrific personnel in the Cheetah and uh, Kelsey. But their running game is suspect and shady. But their defense is bad. And I think... Uh, your boy Mahomes has gotten into this habit of trying to play hero ball, man. 
when he might not have to, but if he feels like he has to, our defense is so bad we can't hold anybody. We got to score in every possession. Bro, you can get into some bad habits, and uh, it can be really hard to turn them off. And I think that's what's happened to him. It, it, it can be. And a lot of it, too, is for whatever reason, you know, we've talked about this before. Teams are not blitzing him anymore. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And teams are just, they're keeping everybody back. They'll bring three, they'll bring four, and they'll keep seven, eight guys that all of a sudden some of these passes that were available before aren't available anymore. Mahomes has now been intercepted in six straight games. It's the longest stretch of his career. He also had a fumble in this game. He now has turned the ball over 11 times in the Chiefs' seven games. This is a problem, and I think they're done, man. I, I mean, do, too. I agree. I don't, I don't they're, think- not, they're not making the playoffs. No, and here's the deal. You'd be like, no, 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 they got my home. Like, you tell me how they're going to turn this around. This is a long, this is a trend now. And today's loss was not, today's loss was an ass kicking. It wasn't like it was close. I was shocked. I was like, 27 to 3, 27 to yeah. nothing. Like, what's, yep. what is going on? And um, that to me said something about the Chiefs and it said something about the Titans. It does, man, because Tennessee now, when you look at what Tennessee has done, they beat Buffalo on Monday night, they beat Kansas City on a short week here today, and now Tennessee is 5-2. and two. And I thought Tennessee would be good, and they had a kind of weird start, but, man, back-to-back wins over the Bills and the Chiefs. And when you look at it, and again, you kind of go down the, the little bit of where do you sit now, it was supposed to be the AFC West would be the Kansas City Chiefs opportunity. And we kind of talked about this a year or two ago on our, our radio show, I think. Where you sit there and you go, you know what, man, with, with Mahomes there now, they might be about to do to the West what New England did to the East for so long. Right, right. But then all of a sudden, here comes Justin Herbert and Derek Carr and the Raiders who are playing really, really good. And it's not that path anymore. And I, I mean, the Chargers and the Raiders right now are better teams than the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are three and four. I'm going to give you two looks at that, man. Number one, it shows you just how incredible it is what New England did for 20 years. Yep. In terms of every year, that consistency, whether they got to the Super Bowl or the championship game, they were able to keep the consistency year after year after year. And the other thing locally is when you saw the Cowboys schedule, you're like, man, AFC West, that's going to be a tough run with the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Raiders. And now you're like, can they go 4 0 against the division? Because yeah. the Chiefs game. No longer looks what it no longer looks as scary as it was. They got the Raiders at the crib on Thanksgiving Day, which is always harder on the on the visitors when the Cowboys have a good team. Uh, when the Cowboys have a bad team, doesn't matter. But when they got a good team, that Thursday road game is hard on the, on a visiting team. And so now, man, you look at it and you go, the Cowboys have a weak ass division that they're playing in the NFC East, and the division that they're playing in the AFC ain't really all that good this year. That's right, man. And and so it's fascinating, but I agree. I, I think the Chiefs are done. And barring something that they get figured out very, very quickly, I don't think they're going to the playoffs, which is unbelievable to think because I thought that would be one of those teams that's about to just have a window of opportunity to win it multiple times. Who knows? I mean, it, it, who knows? Just it, it's fascinating. And maybe Tampa figured out something and showed everybody something last year when they thumped them in the Super Bowl. But we all just kind of figured, well, Kansas City is the AFCs to lose. Maybe Buffalo can get them, you know, who knows? Right. Nah, I mean, they won't even be in that conversation. I mean, right now, you look at the AFC, Tennessee just beat Buffalo. 
Cincinnati just beat Baltimore. You've got Vegas, who, and that's another one of those surprises to me. Vegas, and I know it's the Eagles today, and they let the Eagles come back and, and score 15 points in the fourth quarter, but there was a point it was 30-7, to seven, Vegas over the Eagles. Derek Carr today, 31 of 34, only three oh. incompletions. One was a pick, 323 yards, two touchdowns. They didn't even have Josh Jacobs for most of the game because he got hurt and left. I don't know what it is. I mean, the turmoil they've gone through, losing their coach and all that crap, and all Vegas does is keep churning along, and now they're sitting atop the AFC West at 5-2. and two. Well, You know, Rick, Rick Passaccia, their interim head coach, was uh, in Dallas for about four or five years. Um, did a good job. Always had a good reputation here. Uh, is known for being an excellent leader and being able, as a special teams coach, much like Harbaugh in Baltimore, bringing everybody together, man. And if you listen to the comments that have come out of the Raiders the last two weeks, it's been like, oh, the atmosphere has been calm. There's been a lot less anxiety on the sidelines during the game. Yeah. And so sometimes, man, it's not that Gruden wasn't a good coach, but it's it's a different style. It's a different uh, look. It's a different voice right now. And they just vibing on it, and they're winning. They are winning. And, and again, people are, oh, so what? Their last two wins were the Broncos and the Eagles. Okay, well, they started the season beating the Ravens and the Steelers. So I don't know what to tell you guys. And coming up, this is what's really interesting about the Raiders. They've got the Giants next week after their bye. And then they play the Chiefs. And then, of course, we're going to find out a little bit about them because they got Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys, three consecutive games in a row. That Chiefs game now doesn't look like much, but Bengals, Cowboys could be. So we'll see how that turns out, but that's really interesting. And I got to say, I did not think the Giants had it in them to, to, to beat anybody 25-3. to three. No, um, I can't say I did either. Matter of fact, not when they were, um, you know, supposed to have lost a quarterback to running back top two receivers. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, man, it's also an indictment on the Panthers. who We told y'all when they played the Cowboys, like, Let's not be calling this a great defense and a great team and Matt Rule's got it all turned around and Sam Darnold's this, this right. guy. Because Sam Darnold got benched today and they say he's still the starter, but who knows? P.J. Walker, some of you may remember him from the XFL. Sam Darnold gets benched. P.J. Walker comes in, goes 3 of 14. Oh, my. 3 of 14. He had 11 incompletions out of 14 passes. He averaged 2.4 yards per attempt. And finish with a quarterback rating of 39.6. Boy, it's hard out there for a pimp. <laughs> well, and they don't have Christian McCaffrey. And everybody goes, oh, well, Chuba Hubbard was really good at Oklahoma State. And he he's shown that he can do it. He's not Christian McCaffrey. No. At all. No. And, and, and he had 12 carries for 28 yards today. The Panthers got whomped by the Giants 25 to 3. You know, outside of that, some of the other interesting things that kind of stand out is it was actually interesting for a bit in L.A. with the Lions and the Rams, but the Rams ended up putting that one away 28-19. to to 19. They are now 6-1 and one as they continue to win and hang around trying to keep pace with who? Yes, again. They did it again. <laughs> you knew they were going to, but this was a – this there was a point in this game about halfway through the second quarter – Arizona was losing to Houston five to nothing. <laughs> you just knew it wasn't going to last, bro. <laughs> you knew at some point Kyler Murray would figure it out on offense. Uh, their defense was playing good, and that uh, their their attack would take off, and and the Texans would be left in the dust. And that's exactly what happened. And so now Arizona remains undefeated. They're seven and zero now, as Houston loses again. 
other than that, that that's really kind of what jumped out to me this week. I thought it was interesting that not that they won, but the fact that the Patriots put up 54 points on the New York Jets. You know, Mike White, remember him? Zach yeah. Wilson got hurt, and they think he may have an MCL injury that'll keep him out for a while. Well, Mike White's their backup quarterback with the Jets, so he had to come in. He threw two picks, and again, 54 to 13. The Patriots, 54 points. I thought that was interesting. They put up so many points on that team. Yeah, I'm just going to toss this out there, bro. How many will the Lions win a game this year? I think so because they've been really, really close and they had a couple of those really heartbreaking losses. They were hanging with the Rams, man. I mean, this was a game until the Rams put it away late in the fourth. But I, I just don't think that the the Lions are that bad. Okay. I, I think um, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. They got the uh, they got the Eagles. They got the Steelers. They got the uh, Bears, the Broncos, the Falcons. Yeah, okay. I think they. I think you're right. I think they will. They will win one. Like, I, I actually think Houston and Jacksonville are worse than the Lions. All right. But they just haven't won one yet. And, and yeah, they're 0-6 now or 0-7, 0-7. And so at 0-7, your season is over. You're already looking towards next year. You knew it was going to be a big rebuild project. But I think they'll win a game or two somewhere along the way. You know, you bring up Chicago, and, man, your guy, Justin Fields today, ugly, ugly, ugly game against Tampa who just absolutely destroyed them 38 to three Justin Fields threw three picks no interceptions and he struggled he he is he's learning the ropes man he has had a rough go since they decided to roll with him full time well I am uh, I'm gonna say this because I believe it to be true this is why it matters what organization you get drafted to if you're a first round quarterback the Bears uh, struggle to put personnel, quality personnel, around Mitch Trubisky when they took him with the top two pick. All right, uh, Matt Nagy. If you just listen to what how he's handled the whole thing, it's clear he's like, I don't really know what to do. And then finally, man, um, it's hard out there um, when you're a rookie quarterback, especially like at Ohio yeah. State, because Ohio State. And it's not a knock on Ohio State. It's just it's no different than Oklahoma. They run some very simple concepts, and they have ex, you know they got talent advantages almost every week. And the, the throws you get from their talent advantage and the simple concepts you ain't seeing in the NFL. And so it takes a minute to adjust. And if you're with a good organization, they can walk you through it. If you're with a shady one, and the Bears are shady when it comes to developing quarterbacks. Look at Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know you hope that it works for you, but ain't no guarantee, bro. Yeah, that's very true, man. So you look at this now, and after everything that happened today, the NFC continues to have teams that are separating themselves. The Cowboys, one of them. You have the four teams with one loss, and then Arizona, who's 7-0, and but the Rams are 6-1, and Tampa's 6-1, and Green Bay's 6-1. and The Cowboys were on a bye, so they're 5-1. and And over there in the AFC... You don't have any one-loss teams. Everybody in the AFC has lost at least two games. The Titans 5-2, and two, Buffalo 4-2, and two, Cincinnati and the Ravens 5-2, and two, the Vegas Raiders 5-2. and two. So kind of interesting to see, but the Cowboys, that's what's so wild about this NFC, man. I mean, it's 
you get back from the bye, and if you want to keep pace with where you're trying to get this thing to go, you got to keep winning because everybody else in the NFC at the top keeps winning. Now, see, I think that's good, man, because it's what we talked about. It ain't about your division. Your division stinks. We know it. They know it. Everybody knows it. But it's about can you get you know home field advantage throughout? Can you get one of the top two seeds? And so the fact that you know everybody else is, is playing well, I mean, I think it keeps you focused no matter what's going on in your division because you realize that there's so much – you know, the stakes are much bigger. They are. And and so you move forth. It, it will be interesting. It is a short week. I would encourage all of you to free up your Thursday night because this is going to be a fun one. In Arizona, Thursday night football this week, the Green Bay Packers 6-1 and one coming in to take on the 7-0 and oh undefeated Arizona Cardinals. Bro, I can't wait for that one. That's going to be a good one on Thursday night. Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, one of them has to lose. Maybe this is where they get got. And then it gets interesting, man, because if you get past the Packers and you're Arizona, you go on the road to the 49ers. I think they're better than the 49ers. They got the Panthers at home, then on the road to Seattle, on the road to Chicago. You get past the Packers, man. This team may be looking at like 11-0, 12-0 to start before they finally play the Rams again on December 13th and see that's why if you just start looking at numbers man if they continue to play the way they're playing you know they're going to put up 14 15 wins and so you trying to get that top seed is going to be hard man this you can't have a letdown where you lose to an inferior team I mean you can lose to a yeah. good team all right it happens but uh, you can't be giving away any losses to the Falcons or any of or any of the teams in the division if you know, you're trying to get that home field advantage. Yeah, there's some good games next week, man. I mean, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, that'll be a nasty AFC North battle, as we all know all about that. And then outside of that, I said there's some good games. That's not really the case. I was looking at the schedule just now, and, you know, Dallas-Minnesota, and and Dallas-Minnesota is probably the the second-best game of the week, honestly, outside of the Thursday nighter. I think so. I told you. You know, Minnesota's offense uh, concerns me. Because uh, they have the ability to put up points. Uh, now, Dallas, obviously, we know they can put up points. Yeah. And I'm not saying they can't win. I'm just saying that they may have to outscore them because uh, the Dallas defense, although it has done some very good things, they'll give up a big play now. So we move forth and we tell you again. I know some of you have had it. I know that you have gone out there and you've been blown away, like I always am, at the quality of what you're drinking. False Idol. False Idol Brewing, which is in North Richland Hills. It's just north of 183 off Boulevard 26. Tell you guys this all the time. We do. We tell you about a lot of the beers that they have that, that, that they put out. They've got their Wild Card New England Triple IPA that's currently available. They've got their Crispy by Nature, which is a phenomenal, light, crisp, easy-drinking Pilsner. They've got a lot of beers right now, including the one that they put out on Friday called Super Derp League. It is a New England double IPA, double dry hopped with mosaic, lotus, and whole melon hops. That is going to be a phenomenal beer. I'll tell you this, Mondays, a lot of you going to be listening to this on Monday the 25th. On Mondays, yep, you remembered, 15% off to go beer. (laughs) You can go get a four pack of any of the false idol beers you've heard us talking about. And you get 15% off on Mondays, which is a fantastic deal. It's the only day of the week that they do that. It's worth getting over there if you get a chance on a Monday afternoon to snag some beer. Dude, you know, I got number love for False Idol, man. Uh, Matt goes way back. Me, I just go back a little ways. But I know that if I'm looking for a stout, 
And I want that crisp, chocolatey taste that only comes in a stout for me or a coffee stout. I go out to, uh, you know, Foss Idol, man. I rocked a purple T-shirt last week, bro. There you go. It's a good one. <laughs> Foss Idol, man. Great beer. I love the stouts. You'll love all their beer. You will. I'm telling you, man. They are absolutely phenomenal. It's local. It's family-owned. And again, keep that in mind. They put their new beers out on every Friday. They always have one or two new beers releasing on Fridays. And then on Mondays, if you can make it through your weekend, you can get on over there for 15% off all beer to go at False Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills on Monday. So get over there. Make it happen. Let them know you heard about it on here. Dom's probably going to be there. Brandon, you know, maybe Sean. They're good dudes, and they make damn good beer. I mean, just absolutely phenomenally good beer. So get over there and enjoy it. Do you have any interest whatsoever at all in the 2021 World Series? Because we now know who it is. On Tuesday, on the 26th, Game 1 of the World Series, the Atlanta Braves, who have not been in the World Series since 1999 and haven't won it since 1995, Game one will be in Houston against the Cheaters. 709 first pitch on Fox for this year's version. And I have to say, I can't imagine that anybody who is not from Houston is rooting for the Astros to win this thing. All right. You may be a little disappointed in me, but only, you know, just hear me out for a minute. Um, this The World Series interests me for really only two reasons. Number one, my man. Ron Washington got a chance to win a ring yep. as a third base coach with the Braves. Love that dude. Love him, love him, love him. Dusty Baker, who I don't think has ever gotten enough credit for being a manager. Um, I think if he can go win a title, even with even if it's with the cheating Houston Astros, I think it kind of solidifies his legacy as a terrific manager, toothpick chewer and all. And uh, that's that's my interest in the World Series. Like, I don't really care about either of these two teams. But Ron Washington with Atlanta, Dusty Baker with uh, Houston, I'd love to see either one of them, and one of them will, <laughs> win a ring and uh, put that cap on a fantastic career. Yeah, I can't. I, I won't be able to handle it if Houston wins. I can't stand it. I, I don't want them to. I hope they get swept, which isn't going to happen. But I want Atlanta to win this World Series. And it's really weird because the last time that I can recall – being this hardcore against it hate yeah yeah like like just that bad uh, and it's weird because i have friends here in birmingham they're huge i mean there are a lot of people that are hardcore grew up braves fans here right, right a right. lot of people it, and you know I, i'd love to see it for them because it's been so long they haven't won it since 1995 and so i like for me i'd, I'd love to see them have that opportunity now, of course, the Astros cheated their way to it in 2017 when they beat the Dodgers. <laughs> and I was pulling hardcore for the Dodgers, even though I don't really like the Dodgers. And that's what gets weird. The one time I remember, I remember in 2001, I was, I mean, I watched the Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Yankees. I went ballistic when Arizona walked off that World Series <laughs> because the Yankees didn't win. Like I was, I was, I was that ecstatic that they didn't win. I didn't really care that Arizona won. And there's a lot of that on this to me. Like if Atlanta can just win this thing and keep, keep Houston from getting it. Yeah. Then that'll be phenomenal. Plus, you know, like you said, Ron Washington being on the team, it'd be great for him. And 
I just know a lot of people around here that are really big, big time Braves fans, which is cool. And let's hope, man. Let's hope. I, I, I think probably 99% of the country is pulling for the Braves in this thing. <laughs> well, those two guys that do it for me, like I can't even name you three or four guys off the off the uh, off the Braves. I can barely name you a few guys off the Astros. Although I could have sworn I was working out at the gym this morning, I saw Jose Altuve, <laughs> but I figured he was he was not there. But you're like, wait, that's not Altuve. That's just some dude who played in the Lollipop Gang from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone. So. <laughs> No, but it, it, it's it's interesting because Atlanta actually, ever since the trade deadline starting August 1st, they have the best record in baseball and have absolutely dominated. And I'm talking like including playoffs and everything. Right. And if you if you take that stretch and you extrapolate how well they've played, if they won at that rate in the regular season, it would be a team that was on pace for 109 wins. Wow. So they've been playing very, very good baseball the last couple of months, and they're coming in on this thing on a roll. And we'll see if they can keep it up. I sure as hell hope they can. I mean, I, I may have to go buy a, a Braves World Champion T-shirt if they win. <laughs> now, it does seem to me that uh, both teams are really good, and it should be a terrific series. Should be. Should be a good one. So we'll see how it I goes. Mean, it's the World Series, so they yeah. should be good. But, I mean, these are, like, really, really good teams. They are. They are both. They're, they're good teams. And I think it's going to be really weird because, you know, Carlos Correa is probably not going to be an Astro next year. And I've seen a lot that the Rangers may go after him and throw him some cheese. It'd just be weird to have one of those guys on our team. Man, I, I ain't even getting caught up in that. I believe that when it happens. So, yeah, we'll see how that part goes. But elsewhere, why are Mavs friends – what? Why are Mavs why? fans freaking the F out? Because, man, I got to tell you, after, and I get it, it was not what any of us wanted to see whatsoever at all when they opened the season the other night, the way that they did, getting their ass absolutely kicked by the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young. I mean, 113-87, it was ugly all the way around. They shot the ball. My God, they shot the ball bad. There were times where they looked like they didn't weren't sure what to do. You know, there's a lot of congestion and stuff, and they weren't exactly it, – it was a really – I mean, it was just a, a, a bad, god-awful game. Oh, no doubt about that. I was uh, – now, it was only 51-44 at halftime. Uh, it was on TNT, so obviously I watched it. But then I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Uh, but then I turned uh, – uh, you know, Trey Young, Young went crazy uh, in the uh, third quarter, 12, 12 points, 9 assists, yeah. and it was a wrap. And I checked back with it, and they were down by like 20. I was like, well, damn, this one's over. Uh, yep. It's got to get better from here. But, of course, I realized, unlike so many fans, it's only one of 81. They've got a new coach and a new system that they're putting in. It's going to take just a little bit of time to everybody figure it out. And, hey, let me tell you all this. Remember this. The NBA don't really get started till February. All right? So as long as you're in the hunt at February – Okay, it's all good, babe. Yeah, man, that's what I said. I, I was like, I, I need more than a one-game sample size before I freak out and, oh, I knew it shouldn't have gotten rid of Carlisle. Jason Kidd's not going to make this work. Oh, great. They didn't, well, we knew they didn't bring in anybody. They didn't bring in anybody. They're, they're free. They don't even care. They're not trying to get anything to help win. And I just, I mean, some of, the, some of you guys on Twitter, I was like, my God. 
It is well, one game. Know. It is one of 82. They played on Thursday. They played 1.2% of their season. Dude, this happens from time to time. It just happens, man. People take a football mentality to basketball or hockey or baseball, and it, you just can't do it, man. The emotions of football run so high because there's only 16 games. Everyone is hugely important. It ain't like that in the NBA, man. I mean, we got guys who think so little of a game on a nightly basis that they take. Yes. I'm tired, so I ain't playing tonight, okay? And nobody blinks an eye, bats an eye. Um, you know, so it's, it is what it is, man. Enjoy the season. Enjoy the journey. They got Luka. They're a really good team. We'll see how good they are at the end of the journey. They shot 33% from the floor on Thursday night, guys. You're not going to win hardly any games when you're shooting 33% from the floor. Then Luka they turned it 18. around a couple of nights later. Often either. Yeah. yeah. A couple of nights later in Toronto, and they got to win. And I, it, it's going to be okay. Now they're one and one. They shot 42%. from. The, they shot almost 10% better from the floor against Toronto than they did against Atlanta. I think everything's going to be okay. Like you said, to me, you've got to give this a chunk of time, man. I mean, and I even said this. I was like, look, if, if they go out and they're 0-10 and they're shooting 30% from the floor and look this disorganized for 10 straight games, okay, yeah, then let's freak out. Right, right, right. But they – this may come as a news shock to everybody. They're going to lose again like that at some point this season. <laughs> They'll lose another game some point this season by 20 or more points. Dude, it's the NBA, man. It happens. There's some really good teams. And sometimes the schedule gets you. Sometimes the opponent is good and they'll get you. Yeah, but Luca was on on, what was that, last night? Yeah, Saturday night, man. Coming back against Toronto. And he just kind of took over in the second half. They started to really start to figure it out. Flowed a lot better. He shot really well. I mean, hell, he was one rebound away from a triple-double already. So I think they're going to figure things out. I'm not the least bit concerned, nor have any idea if this is going to work or not, because I've only seen two damn games. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little early to be jumping off the bandwagon. Just relax, people. Take a deep breath. Woosa, woosa. Hey, Matt, what's some of that meditation stuff you've been using? <laughs> I, mean, get, I don't get, do woosa. Get, get, get the people some some uh, some some example of what they do, man. Maybe they need to chant a, a little chant. No, you know, no, whatever. it's not. I don't, I don't know what that thumbs. is either. But that's I, I got you. Uh, you know, it's, it's whatever, man. As a, it, I was just looking at this real quick because I was curious. Now, keep in mind they played 72 games last year in the COVID-shortened season. Right. Last year, the Mavs, their worst that they shot from the field was 37.8%. So on Thursday night, 33.3%. By far the worst that they have shot in their last 70-some-odd games going all the way back to last year. And when you do that, you know, and that's one of those things, like when they shoot – I think it's like when they shoot below like 45% or maybe it's 43%. I'm trying to remember. There's something like last couple of seasons, there's something like, I think last year they were five and like 15 in the 20 games they shot 43% or worse. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, they've they've always been an offensive team. uh, So they've had to score to win. You know, the interesting thing with Jason Kidd is they're going to be a defensive team. And so, or more of a defensive minded team. So, can you win on nights where your offense is not is not at its peak efficiency? That'll be the test for Jason Kidd's system. Yeah, and then you look at it, and last year when they shot, as they did against Atlanta, they shot 30% from the three-point line. When you look at the Mavs, when they shoot less than 32% from threes, last year they were 3-17. and 17. 
Dude, yeah. So, Absolutely. again, you're going to have nights like that. They're going to have nights again where they're not going to shoot the ball very well, and they're going to lose their game. They're going to lose some games, guys. They're going to lose. There's 82 games. They're going to lose some. Even if you win 50 games, you still lose 32. <laughs> yep. It's the math It's the math equation, man. So just relax, man. Don't take a football mentality to, to the baseball season. I mean, basketball season. It'll drive you literally nuts. Although I, I will reveal this to you. After that game on Thursday, I did spend some time on Friday on my NBA 2K22 where I, I played the Hawks in my season, and I, I, I took out what I needed to on them. <laughs> I don't think it's fake. Now, Luca didn't crack 100 points in this one. Oh. he okay. fin- Well, I, I was trying to make sure that I got more assists, so he finished with 91 points. I think it was 12 rebounds, and he had 30, I think it was 33 assists. Hey man, it's all about you. It's your it's your world. So now in, in my in my game, in my video game, I gotta say NBA two K does this really cool because the all star voting is on there too. And right now, I'm trying to think, I just oh yeah, I just got into January on my game. <laughs> and so Luca right now has three point five million votes for the all star team. The next closest guy in my game is LeBron, who has like two point four. And I'm like, that's it. There it is. Love it. Love it. Luca Luca has won player of the month. He was player of the month for October, November, and December. And I (laughs) he was player he has been player of the week in all weeks of my season except for three. And Chris Stapps was won one week. I gotta tell you, dude, I figured out how to block shots with Chris Stapps Porzingis like a monster. I'm blocking like ten to (laughs) twelve, ten to twelve a game with Chris Stapps Porzingis. People want to know, bro, what level are you playing at? doesn't matter what level I'm playing. I'm playing at my fun level. That's how I like to do it. I'm playing at rookie, and I don't care. I'm not – I don't want to have games that are close. Nobody said to be defensive. I just asked you what level you were playing at, so those at home, if they want to have a similar experience, could set it up that way. Yeah, man. I mean, I, and I've, I've explained this, and I had a couple of people reach out. They're like, hey, you know, let, let's play against each other. It's like, nah, 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 nah. nah. I'm not, I don't play it because I want competition. I play it because I want to put up crazy stats that I think are fun and to turn my brain off for a bit. I want to watch Luca drain 23s. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you guys. Not, I like that. By that line. I like when, I'm like you. Yeah. You I'm know. about trying to relax. I like listening to the announcers go b- ballistic on the game about what Luka Doncic is doing. And, and can't believe that he's, you know, then you look at the Mavs. I've rewritten all the Mavs record books with Luca already at half a season. It's great. <laughs> I have two of the top three highest scoring games in NBA history because I had 114 with them one game and then 91 the other night. And so Wilt still has the 100 number two all time. <laughs> number two all time, 100 points. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, man. You got to love it. All right. We've got a lot left to get to this week. We'll have Todd Archer on the next podcast as the Cowboys bye week is over, man. And we all turn our attentions to the Minnesota Vikings and what the Cowboys need to do to get to six and one and maintain that that pace there in the NFC. We'll have Clarence Hill Jr. later this week. We'll have Ed Werder coming up for you as well. So keep it coming. Keep telling your friends. Keep sharing the links and doing all that. It goes a long way. Our, our podcast growth in the last six weeks or so has just been phenomenal. And that is a tip of the hat to all of you that listen and share the links and tell your friends about it. It goes a long way. Really, really helps and very much appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Keep downloading, keep listening, keep rating, keep subscribing. 
We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.